Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Good to see you here, uh, especially, you know, I always uh, pray a lot because I know some of you uh, worship football quite a bit in 10 a.m. games. Uh, people get crazy, don't they? They're like, uh, you know, every once in a while, do you think God wants the Seahawks to win? I'm like, I don't know. I do know in the book of James, the devil is referred to as a roaring lion. Just have to say, <laughs> yeah, go ahead and worship Satan if you're a Detroit fan. No, the, uh, <laughs> I'm just having a little bit of fun today. I'm Ben, I'm the lead pastor, and we are in a series uh, on 1 Peter, you're describing when all you know what breaks loose in our world, in our lives, and how does God want us to show up? You know, uh, this is a week where uh, we, we're not like really big Halloween people in our family, and uh, actually at church, that's sort of why we offer an alternative uh, as well, uh, was doing some research just how crazy uh, people get uh, about certain things, and of course, we're heading to the political season, uh, that Halloween, uh, I was doing some research on the internet, and I found this information, and it's true because it's on the internet, and uh, <laughs> there, uh, that people, the average, they're they're estimating that America will spend not only billions on Halloween, but $350 million on pet costumes. And some of you don't even see a problem with that, and that's why I'm worried about you. Uh, you know, we, we don't have a counseling ministry yet, but we need one, evidently. Uh, uh, here are some that I came across here. Uh, Yeah, he's just saying, why me? Why me? Uh, here's another one I thought was interesting. And it's like, how did you get that cat to look so angry? <laughs> uh, now look at this one. Look at the eyes of this cat. It says, when you're asleep, it may not end well for you. Uh, and then, of course, there's this dog. <laughs> Yeah, you got to feel sorry for him. Uh, well, this year, uh, research shows that uh, the Black Panther is going to be really the big costume this year, although clown costumes are up 300%, like we needed that, right? And of course, uh, families are having a lot of fun because zombies are the rage, nothing like having your child look like the undead. And, <laughs> and so we have this, and, it, and it's sort of this time of craziness. And it's fun when the craziness is silly like that, right? What about when the craziness is actually hurtful and impactful in a way that, that we don't like? First Peter was written to a group of people who are experiencing sort of that bad kind of craziness. And, and the funny thing is, when that happens to us, oftentimes our question is this, God, how are you going to change that? That's, what, that's not what 1 Peter is about. 1 Peter is, God, how are you going to change 
me while I walk through this, understanding the real power in the presence of God. So that's what we're looking at. Uh, give you a little context to this. Uh, it really uh, is not too long after Jesus had come, given his life, risen from the dead. The Jesus movement went from dozens to hundreds to thousands to ten thousands. And again, you have to understand, Jerusalem only had 100,000 people in it. Small city. Great, people were afraid because people are afraid of things they aren't familiar with. And you've noticed that. We see that in our society, in our world today. And so there was a great persecution that happened. And not, you know, the kind that, that, you know, we might think of bad things happening. I mean, we're talking people's lives were literally in danger. And so there, uh, this is what happened, and this is the context for verse 1, which I want to read again. Uh, Peter, an apostle of uh, Jesus Christ, to God's elects, exiles, scattered throughout the province of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Uh, now, if you look at that region, Asia, by the way, is Asia Minor, which we would uh, call Turkey today. It was really the four corners of their known world. And this is very different than most of what we find in the New Testament. It, the, the letters to the Ephesians, the Colossians, uh, the Thessalonians. These were to certain people in a certain region experiencing a certain circumstance. But then this letter... Uh, written by someone who was Jesus' closest follower, Peter, is written more universally. Uh, that would literally be the four corners of the known world at that time. Because they were experiencing this universal problem. And they were wondering, how do I show up when my faith is under attack? Now, uh, as we talk about this, I understand you might say, hey, man, I'm just checking out faith in general. This is going to be really good because you're going to understand what God really calls people who follow him to do and how that can be so countercultural. It has been throughout the centuries, and I believe it's why uh, Christianity has spread, and, and uh, although there's a lot more people to come to know Jesus, why there's over a couple billion people who would say, I follow Jesus today on the planet. It's amazing how this started from such humble origins and how there was incredible attack. Now, I'm talking about something that's systemic, not like the crazy person who uh, attacked the synagogue and uh, we just really were reading about and hearing about this weekend and we should pray for our, our, our Jewish friends. This was more systematic. This was the idea of, hey, we, we've got to wipe out this Jesus movement because it threatened the power structures of the day. And uh, so there were, they were under attack. Even today, uh, there are 215 million Christians, and we don't think about this. Actually, some of you do. One of the great things about having people from so many different countries uh, at Timberlake Church uh, and uh, that's just on Redmond campus, not to mention uh, our other Issaquah, Castle Rock, Duval, and, and soon Renton, is that I get to hear the stories of what's that, what is that like. In fact, uh, some people here are, are in our country. I've actually written letters of recommendation for some because in their country, if they were going to return because of their faith, it would be not, not like, hey, I might not get a job, but it would be a physical threat of safety to their family. Now, that's not our, our country. And, you know, because people can get, 
hysterical about things, and, and we are blessed to live in the free marketplace of ideas. And just so you know, I'm an anti-theocratic uh, government person because I don't uh, really want it, whether it was Christianity or Islam or Hinduism or Buddhism, wherever the free marketplace of ideas happens, you see that Christianity tends to flourish. And so I believe when people are allowed to make that choice that uh, they will be drawn towards the philosophical, the historical, the personal evidence that, that God has revealed Himself through Jesus Christ. And so uh, I'm really uh, not for that. In fact, it's sort of funny. I, I don't know I'm going to go on this soapbox, probably because I have the mic and I get to do what I want to. Uh, the, uh, but uh, people are like, well, prayer in schools, I remember that. Like, you know, well, are you for prayer in schools? Well, one, as long as there's tests, there will be prayer in schools. And, uh, uh, and two, uh, I, don't necessarily, I, I don't necessarily want someone who doesn't know Jesus leading my kid in prayer. And so, I, I know that's not like what you normally expect from a Christian, but I, I yeah, no, so I'm, I'm fine with people uh, making their own decisions. But what happens when we experience a little hostility? I've talked to, especially students, I would say students, those of you who are here today watching online, you experience this on a level that adults really don't. The level of ridicule and hostility uh, towards uh, faith. And uh, how do I show up? Here's what I see is that there are often negative responses to when we feel like our faith is under attack. And so I'm speaking primarily to those of you who've decided for Jesus, those of you who haven't, you're going to get a lot of good information anyway, is what are the negative responses? One is to compromise, to water down my faith. It's like, okay, if I just, you know, hey, all good dogs go to heaven, and, and if we just all get along, and, and, and people will say this, you may have said this, and I get why you say it, you say it because you want to be nice, hey, you know, uh, it all leads us to God, all religions are the same. Well, forget Christianity, if you say that to a Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, Taoist, do you know how radically offensive that is to them? They don't think it's nice, they feel like you've just majorly insulted them. Because everyone has a faith perspective, and the truth is, we're trying to, what is the proper faith perspective? Uh, so we'll do that, and we do this sometimes because uh, we feel about our faith more than we think about our faith. Oh, how many of you would say in general in life, I'm a little bit more of a feeler? Go ahead and raise your hand. How many of you are more thinkers? Okay, good. Now, there's a lot of you. How many of you neither think nor feel? Okay, that's most of our church. <laughs> Thank you very much. Anyway, uh, so, so what will happen is I honestly think when people talk about faith, well, I, 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 you can't have faith. I, my faith is over here and my reason is over here and the two shouldn't mix. I honestly think people are not intellectual enough when it comes to faith, both Christians and non-Christians. If you engage in that level, I think that there's, now yes, there's an element where God is bigger than we are and we operate in faith, but there's a path of evidence that leads us to a step of faith. And so we will uh, compromise our, our faith 
And then also, the, the other tendency could be to apostatize, to abandon our faith. Now, I'm not talking about saying, hey, I, I just denied Jesus. Some people would do that, uh, and they would uh, say that. And normally, this is among one group. Let me uh, just tell you a little bit about a research on this. Dr. Ed Stetzer has talked about Christians in general in America, and there's really three buckets or categories. There's cultural Christians. Uh, we don't have a lot of this anymore, but I remember even at, when I was uh, at the University of Washington, one of the guys in my fraternity, I was sharing with him about my faith, and I said, are you a Christian? He goes, of course I am. I'm an American. And <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, you're not. Anyway, uh, so, uh, but, but for him, and maybe some parts in our country still, maybe, I, I don't even think in, in the Bible Belt, there's that sense. And then there's congregational Christians. The idea of, hey, you know, church is a thing we do. It's important to our society and to our culture. If you're from the South or Midwest, I, I still think that can be the case today. Uh, you know, in the Seattle area, not many people are coming up to you at work and say, hey, brother, where do you worship Jesus? Has that happened to you lately at Microsoft or Amazon? No, no, it doesn't happen, does it? Uh, but in some parts of the country, that might happen. And then there's committed Christians. And this is not me being judgmental. Dr. Stetzer in his research, well, how do you know if someone's committed? Well, do they invest their financial resources in God's work? Do they worship on a regular basis? Do they talk to people about their faith? Do they serve somewhere because of their faith? And the idea of those who would, who would have, it's affected their lifestyle. And the interesting thing in America, although the cultural Christians have gone down, the committed Christians certainly have not at all. Uh, and so uh, there are people on the cultural level who would say, yeah, I'm not sure about God anymore. And they may have not been in the first place. I think the idea of things getting more defined is quite helpful because then there's a contrast. Then there's to privatize, to stay quiet about my faith. You know, and, and, and we do this for certain reasons, right? We, we do so because we all know that one like crazy Christian, right? You know that person? Yeah, no, you are that person. Okay, that's awesome. The, uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? That person who awkwardly introduces uh, spiritual topics when it's really not uh, appropriate. I went to lunch with someone uh, who vaguely uh, related to, and, and, you know, every time there's a conversation, you know, it's like uh, the, the uh, server would come up, and, and he goes, well, I bet you're interested in a tip. Let me give you a tip on how you can have eternal life. And I cringe, and I'm not only a Christian, I'm a pastor. And in my spirit, I could see Jesus cringing too. And, and so it's just, you know, so we, we're all like that. And so what we do is we overreact and say, oh, faith is just radically private. It's personal, but not private. In fact, the only way to live out your faith is in community. Do you know that biblically there's no concept of Christianity outside of community when you look at the Scriptures? So uh, we'll do that. Or there's been a personal cost. Uh, I've led numbers of Bible studies do, do so today. Uh, do some with people who are, uh, you know, work their way up in the corporate world. And they talk about those conversations, just the dismissiveness about faith. And they're wondering, is this going to cost me my next promotion? Students, 
you have uh, professors or teachers, and their biases are going to, we talk about bias a lot, but that anti-Christian bias, for some, you're saying, hey, is this going to cost me a good grade? And so I understand why we get there, but that's not God's plan. And then there's to antagonize, attack or make fun of those who don't share my faith, is the idea. Okay, they're going to be offensive, I'm going to be offensive. In fact, a buddy of mine uh, uh, sent this uh, to me, it was about uh, really voice commands that we have, intelligent voice recognition systems. This is from a, a tech magazine. We have a new pro tip for better navigating IVR uh, systems used by customer service departments. I've often heard that you must repeat the word agent six times before an IVR will route you to a live person. However, Mr. Schuyler tells us a faster technique can just be using swear words. <laughs> we all know that intelligent voice recognitions are designed to keep us from humans so companies can save costs and shift the burden to consumers by way of self-service. However, many IVR systems apparently are designed to detect a swearing as a signal to provide us better, better customer service. I'm not saying you should do it, but it's just a tip. No. <laughs> but we feel like our, our society re- rewards antagonism, doesn't it? The loud, do you know that the loudest person is not always the person who is right? I almost said the rightest person. <laughs> I'm from Tacoma. The, uh, but the, uh, we, we, that antagonism. And Jesus came and he introduced a different way to live. A way that is powerful. A way that has, and this is, if you're not a Christian, I would just argue this, that has transformed medicine more than anything else, education more than anything else, social services than anything else, racial relationships more than anything else. Jesus introduced a different way, and he invites you, and he invites me to walk in that way. And hey, if you don't follow Jesus, you, you, you you do what you want. But if you say, I'm a Christ follower, the Bible says you are not your own, you were bought with a price, and so there's a way to show up when our faith is under attack. And it's not to privatize, it's not to antagonize, it's not to compromise. And this is what 1 Peter talks about, how to respond when your faith is under attack. So let me uh, see what we find in this scripture. Number one, don't be shocked. Don't be shocked. Yeah, people are going to attack you for something. Wouldn't it be good if they at least attacked you for something you did right? Do you know that Christian, do you know how that term was, it was, came, uh, it was not Christians who came up with that term. It were people who didn't like Christians. In fact, it was making fun of them. They said, oh, Christian, you're like a little Jesus. I wish people would call me a little Jesus. I've been called a little something else. (laughs) But they're saying, you're just like Jesus. Says this, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. And so why shouldn't I be surprised? And it says later in 1 Peter 2.21, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example 
that you should follow in his step. It, that, that, that there will become opposition, but man, at least for the right things. But here's some realities that can comfort and motivate you, even as you're going through that. That uh, you have been chosen, and I just put the reference scriptures, I don't have time to go through uh, every one of them. That you have a destiny, you have resources, you have a purpose. You know, one of the reasons we gather here is not to, that it's, you know, us four and no more keep other people out, but it's so we can encourage each other. I was talking to someone, they're training at a, at a company that actually really, uh, Buddhist philosophy is really at the center and core of their management. And they saw someone else from Timberlake Church wearing our full life sort of live strong kind of bracelet. And it was just, oh, there's someone else there who's going to encourage me in this environment. That God, see, God is going to provide resources for you. When it says you're chosen, it doesn't mean like, okay, you know, you're, this half of the room is in, that half of the room is out. It was written to people who didn't believe that God would actually care about them. See, up until that point, faith was very tribalistic. We even see this today, that in certain faiths, you have to use the language of one culture, otherwise you can't really be a follower of God. Christianity was very different. That Peter is saying, hey, you may have been on the outside before, but you're no longer on the outside. Well, second, uh, live an authentic, positive example. It says this in 1 Peter 2, 11 through 12, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers, or I urge you as uh, foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. It, the interesting thing here in the Redmond campus, when this church uh, first got built, I wasn't, I've only been here a little over 10 years, but when this church was first built, there was some opposition because people didn't want a, uh, a church, let alone a larger church, and it wasn't even that large back then, in the neighborhood. Uh, and one of the, the neighbors really opposed, and I was warned about that. Like, oh, you got to be careful. These people. And uh, normally I don't do the right thing. This time I think I did. Tried to become friends. And interesting is we've become friends over the year when the husband of the couple passed away, got a letter from the wife, and she said, you know, my husband always felt like you looked out for us. And the nature of the relationship changed. And you know what? It took years. And some of you have family members, and they attack you. It may take years. But God is at work. It says, for it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. So what does this mean? Well, for the early Christians, it meant that they cared for people that no one else cared for. Babies that were abandoned at doorsteps literally because they were female. That, that was actually very common. Equality, do you know that equality was anathema to Roman and Greek culture? That the, that the idea is that people would be equal. That came around Christianity. That, that women would be included. The care for the orphan, the, the, the foreigner, forgiveness. So what would that mean for us today is that we show up differently? 
Uh, of course, political season is uh, always a crazy one. How are we showing up during that season? And I'm like, you know, as I said before, you should vote at least a couple times. And the, <laughs> the, uh, no, everyone should vote. But what is our discourse? Is our discourse, can we disagree without being disagreeable? And so I think that's really something that we should look at and can we change the narrative, at least within our friend group? One of the things I don't get is sometimes how we think by making someone else an enemy that we will be better. As I said, at our church, we, we don't try to make a point. We try to make a difference. I've been traveling a little bit lately, and so you go through the airport, and I've seen, you know, people from all sorts of cultures and religions. And I've just noticed in particular someone will be in a hijab, uh, the, you know, and, and very different uh, kind of clothing than we see. And, and it's different. You can't see someone really well, especially if only the eyes are showing. And people, I think, understandably, would, would be like, okay, that's different. So they'd sort of stare or look at them. And I just decided, what if there was this incredible sense of honor and welcome. Maybe that, maybe when that person, I don't know, that say, hey, that person, you know, I'd be open to the God of that person. Now, are you saying, oh, are you agreeing that, you know, Islam and Christian? No, I totally dis I think it's a very inaccurate representation of God. But I think you can show radical respect to people that you don't necessarily agree with. That leads to number three, work positively within your current reality. It says, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority. So what do I do when my faith is under attack? Kids, that means your parents. Employees, that means your boss. Citizens, that means your government, your Democrat governor and your Republican president, is that we show up differently. It says, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor. That God calls us to show up differently. Number four, respond in the opposite spirit. This is a hard part for us in our faith when, when we're called to respond differently than people are responding to us. And we're told in 1 Peter 3, 9, if we can skip to that scripture, where it says, don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. That really leads to number five. Seize the opportunity to introduce transformational truth is that by the way we live, the way we show up when our faith is under attack, I'm not saying that's not hard. I'm not saying that we should seek a better situation. But ultimately, God can even use that for His glory. That's why it says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone, but do this with gentleness and respect. If you want God to bless your life, what you have to understand is even those who, where you're under attack and it's hard, I'm not talking about being a doormat, but will you just see that God could even use that 
to help lead them into his truth. In fact, I want you to do something that's maybe a little bit weird. Just go ahead and look to the person next to you. That person matters to God deeply. Go ahead and look at him. Now look at your second choice. And uh, the, uh, just keeping it real. Anyway, the, uh, that person matters to God deeply. Even look behind you. Have you ever wondered who's behind you? Go ahead and look. That person matters to God deeply. Now look at the person in front of you, and especially those of you in the front row. That person matters to God <laughs> incredibly deeply. <laughs> There's a guy named Arthur Stace and, uh, from Australia, and, and he had come to know Jesus. He had been sort of cast out by the rest of society uh, in, in an area. Uh, Sydney, Sydney's not exactly uh, the most Christian city in the world. In fact, in the Western world, not, not very compared to other places. Uh, he had, his life was transformed. He had been an alcoholic. He had spent some time for petty crimes in jail. And he, his whole mission was, okay, what if I just let people know? What if I let people know? And he was, uh, in some ways, you know, not highly literate. And uh, so he started with chalk, and he would write on the sidewalks the word eternity, just to remind people that God had something more for them. And the interesting thing is, like, you never know what God's going to do. And so for, he did this for years, for decades. He wrote the word eternity, and he was known as Mr. Eternity. People know all over Sydney. And uh, the crazy thing is, is that when the Olympics came to Sydney, Australia, that in that city, as they were welcoming the whole world to Australia, in Sydney Harbor, on the bridge over Sydney Harbor, in Arthur Stace's unmistakable handwriting, was the word eternity. One man who had one message that became that country's message to the world as they came, and was just willing to take a risk. Now, I'm not saying that you should, you know, get some chalk today. I am saying, would you let God work in your life counterintuitively that He would make an adif- a difference for eternity through you? Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for my friends who are here today. God, uh, for those who are watching online. God, I pray that we would be open to you working through us. God, I know that it's hard when teachers are unfair, when bosses are unreasonable, when coworkers are cruel, when family misunderstands, when neighbors keep their distance. God, to want to operate in the way that you call us to. But God, God, I pray that you would unleash unleash in us and through us relentless respect, a wave of compassion, and an example of incredible hope. And God, I pray that for my friends who are really going through it today. God, that they're, they're wondering as they show up this week, God, what would you have for me? How can I be different? God, that you would give incredible strength. And maybe you're here and you're wondering about the God who would call you to that. The Scripture tells us that when Jesus Christ came and gave His life, it was to pay for our sin, and that He rose again on the third day, 
to prove his victory over sin and death. And 2,000 years and billions of people later, people week after week are accepting that gift of hope. And maybe for you, today's your day when you receive that gift of hope in Jesus Christ. Based not on a thought or a feeling, but based on an event in history where God did an incredible work on your behalf, that He can change your story from this point forward. And if you say, I want that relationship with God, I, maybe you believed in God, maybe you haven't, but you're just saying, you know, I want that, that personal relationship with God, then I invite you to just invite Him in. Just, you'd pray something in your own heart and mind. You'd say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I need your forgiveness. I decide today to follow you. And I ask that you would walk with me as I walk with you all the days of my life and in the next. Lord, I pray for my friends, whether they're saying yes to you for the first time or the first time in a long time. God, I pray that you would unleash through us, even when it all breaks loose, a counterintuitive way to live that would show what life is really meant to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.